Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. No video for this show today. Um, so if you're someone who normally watches on YouTube, thank you. As always, there will be regular Pat Mayo experiences coming at you at all the normal times. We're working on creative ways to produce some new content. Of course, there's always MMA, which is actually still going on. So check out the UFC Brasilia picks that are up right now if you want some action over the weekend. But I actually sat down. I joined Davis Maddock uh, on his show, The Take Cast, which you should definitely go subscribe to. He allowed me to share this with everyone out there, both on the YouTube and podcast feeds. Uh, and we kind of ran through, like, what's going on with us? Uh, I mean, I'm in Canada. He's in the U.S. We kind of talked about that, the impact that it has on sports, what you can do now, how this not only affects content creators and people in our business, but you know, working from home, that kind of thing. What do you really expect? Where, where, How does society actually feel about this, at least from our opinions and what we've been reading? So we thought it was a pretty interesting discussion. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you agree. Either way, if you smash the like for the video, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me which movie you would like to see me jeff and tim do a uh, a rewatch of out there you'll be in a draw for 20 dk bucks if you s- subscribe to the pat mayo experience audio podcast leave your DraftKings handle along with the five-star review and something you like about the show you will be in a draw for a hundred DraftKings dollars maybe you'll be playing la liga with those DraftKings bucks i got no idea but i really want to get this out here for you like i mentioned the show will go on as planned. I think that even Jeff, Tim, and I are planning on talking more about this as it pertains to sports later on on Friday. So maybe if you check it out over the weekend, you go do that. Like I said, the take cast, the link to subscribe to that show. I know Davis is going to have some good content coming out over the next few weeks. And we're all hurting for content right now. A lot of people out there are in their houses. They're bored. Um, they're trying to stay safe. They need something to kill the time and take their mind off this, I guess. Hearing two people talk about it for an hour is not really taking your mind off of it, but it was nice and therapeutic to talk through about through it a little bit that, well, be safe is all I can really say about it. But uh, here's the show I did with Davis on the TakeCast. Enjoy. All right, everyone, bringing in my friend, Pat Mayo, to do our, our COVID-19 podcast. Uh, this is not going to be the last coronavirus podcast. I think that Draft Cheat wants to come on. And I also uh, sent out a tweet last night asking for uh, if anyone was an infectious disease expert. And I got an email from someone whose sister is like a microbiologist. And she might be coming on the podcast if we're able to, if we're able to work that out. But Pat... Uh, you're you're just uh you're a renaissance man you're a man of culture and i feel as if uh also as being a canadian you're a good guest to have for this episode i mean i know a doctor i can hook you up with him and i'm sure he has takes about this oh is is cuss the doctor he is a doctor yes <laughs> what kind of is he's like a, he's like a doctor of like uh like middle medieval literature though uh, it's political theory it's not quite medieval literature but yes he has a phd he's not a medical scientist but you know what a lot of people just see doctor and say i'll listen to that guy what what is the what is the cuss take on uh, on on covid-19 um i mean he was kind of ahead of all of this like i think last week he tweeted out that you know he's like there is no doubt in my mind that not only will the tournament the masters and the olympics be canceled but like everything else like don't pretend like it's not going to be and then we all felt like oh this is great it's like this thing's going away and then he the, the fact that cuss has been right about this is like kind of crazy 
I mean, maybe this is like the the COVID COVID nineteen was what needed to happen for the flippening for for Tim for Tim to be right about something. It needed it needed you know the 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 fourth biggest day over day drop in the stock market and the biggest public health crisis since I guess the swine flu. Which I was really I was pretty young during the swine flu and super young during SARS. So like I I barely even remember those events like how would you compare this uh you know like legit pandemic to your experience with the swine flu uh, i got the swine flu h1n1 i contracted it at the gym <laughs> it was real bad news uh get, get get over it uh you know a few days later and like i was i think 25 at the time so it didn't do too much damage to me but i got incredibly sick for about two days uh, this isn't the same though. The, this is more of a, I, I mean, I can't say it's not the same. Obviously the spread is more of the same, but like the, it's funny just watching this from afar. So I mean, obviously I'm not in the United States. I'm in Canada, but everything I consume is American culture. Uh, you know, every, my entire Twitter feed is made up of people who live in the United States. And this went from like a couple people being like extremely panicked and everyone else kind of laughing it off to everyone else taking this extremely seriously. Yeah. So that is, I, I, I mean, you know, I don't want to claim, I don't want to claim to be, you know, some sort of foresight guru or anything, but the, the absolute smartest people on my timeline, the, the people who I consider to be like 90th percentile intelligence or better, they were scared right away. So like, uh, like Ed Miller, uh, who was on this episode, uh, I think, um, five or six episodes ago, like he right away in January was like, this is bad in China. This is going to come to the United States. It's going to be bad. Whereas, uh, you know, the, the further away you get from the 90th percentile intelligence, the more likely someone was to be like, oh, it's just the flu, you know? And, and, I, and I, I don't mean that in an insulting way. I just think that um, for the human brain, it's just, it's just so hard to calculate risks like that, that it's just easier to not do it. Well, uh, in full disclosure, if the listeners want to know that you and I basically recorded this show over a week ago. Uh, and then you were gonna, you were set to release it on Thursday morning, and I messaged you was like, I think we need to record a new one because what, what we said probably just went. I mean, it obviously went wildly out of date. But there was a point I did want to make from that one because we did talk about this, you know, coronavirus versus the flu, and I think that a lot of the confusion, at least the way that I'm able to interpret it, obviously I'm not a doctor, but it doesn't seem like when people say, oh, this is just the flu, it's not as bad as the flu, or it is the flu. I think that they're right about that. And the point that I was trying to make was there was everyone is basically immune to the flu. There's herd immunity to that. So it's not going herd to immunity mass- vaccines and not everyone gets it all at once. Sure. So like if no one had vaccines to the flu and the flu was a brand new thing, the flu would be equally as Horrible. devastating as yes. this. But see, that's where the I think that people saw that. And when like scientists or whoever was first talking about this and when they said like, what is the damage that this can do to you? They're like, oh, it's like the flu. And it is like the flu. But the way that it hits us right now in the population is not like how the flu would hit us. I think there was a gap between, you know, if we're talking about like what a virus actually is and what it can do to you, I mean, a lot of them are very similar. It's just we've seen them before. We've been vaccinated, like you said. We've come up with different remedies and medicines and have this herd mentality where when something brand new gets introduced to an ecosystem, it just runs rampant. So I think that's where the disconnect came in. Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, that is, it's just, it, it's sort of interesting that, um, well, really where it all comes down to is Americans don't know shit about science, right? Americans that we don't, we're not a science first culture. A lot of us, our last science class, I mean, pro, like we, a lot of us had to take like chemistry or biology, but not both in high school. And then if you got a bachelor's of arts and not a bachelor's of science at, you know, any big state school, you probably got to take two very basic science classes. So like the science classes I took at university were, uh, yeah, I I took an anthropology course (laughs) and I took a uh, natural disasters course, which everyone at K-State had to take. And those are like, just, I mean, it's just, I guess the anthropology course was interesting. I, I still remember some stuff we did in there, but like, that's not, that's not the kind of science that people apply to their daily life. And like, 
uh, just just in America, we are we are so removed from thinking things in a scientific lens that stuff like this just I mean it, it can just no one understands it. No one understands this. No one understands, and it's easier to be like, oh well, I don't care than to like be afraid of something. And that's where it really flipped. But the, what the situation you just described about people taking their final science courses in high school or taking some like you know, pseudoscience or you know, friend of science course in college. is no different than Canada. That's exactly what I did. I mean, I took chemistry and physics in high school, but I didn't take biology. And when I got to college, uh, I did do sciences first year because I was trying to become a dentist. Didn't work out. But once I switched out into arts, I, I think I took like two psychology classes or something like that. I didn't take real science. Yeah, and and just not having those basic building blocks of understanding the way that scientific processes work in the world, I think is, uh, I mean, it's not great. And, and, and I will, I will say that, uh, you know, gambling gets a bad rap, right? Poker, DFS, all, no. all this stuff, it, it gets a bad rap. And I, and I think that being interested in all of this stuff, you know, caring more about math, I, 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 the evidence to me suggests that being invested in DFS and gambling has made me better at understanding risks like this than the average person, for sure. Sure. Uh, it's no different than you had just gone to school and done a math degree either. Like if there, there's, you know, how you, people say there are math people and then there are not math people. Like I'm not good at math anymore, but I was yeah, me always either. good at like I was always far better at math than I was at anything in the languages, which is kind of funny because I now do a job where I write about math I don't quite understand, which is a real twist of fate as my life kind of went. But if you understand, there's people who understand what probability is and people who don't. People understand, like you said, all risk is, is a factor of probability. Like Correct. I remember when, like the Trump election kind of thing. So when Nate Silver put out his model, I think he had like a, Trump had a 31% chance to win or something like that. Like a massive, like 31 People chance. lost their minds. And like, that's a massive underdog. But then there was other people who had like their models like, oh, 0%. It's like, and then people were shitting on Nate Silver. Like, well, you were wrong about Trump. Obviously he won. He's like, yeah, but it was well within the range of outcomes. I didn't say it was 0%. I said three out of 10 times this was going to happen. People never understand the three out of 10 that it actually hits. I actually think that playing poker is probably the best explanation of all of this. Like anyone who plays poker and you're all in heads up with aces, just remember how many times you've lost. Oh, I mean, everyone who plays poker, everyone who plays poker never remembers getting it in good and winning, but they remember every time they got it in good and lost. I, 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 uh, I've been playing a little bit of cards and, uh, and reading some poke, uh, not, yeah, I mean, sure. I have played. I have played a couple times in person over the last little bit, and uh, I mean, first of all, poker, like just being good at poker and thinking about the things that you need to think about for poker is so good for living. And I actually, I actually do think that if I was not like you know reading poker books and trying to think about uh, cards like more seriously right now, I I think that my brain would still kind of be not under, like fully quantitatively understanding the risk of what we're facing right now. Do you even understand what we're facing right now? Cause I don't like, so, I don't. So I, I, from the way that I can gather it. And I was telling you this before we went on air is that the reaction to the virus here, like I live in downtown Toronto, which is one of the most densely populated places besides Manhattan. It is the most densely populated place in North America. But the reaction here just has not been the same as it is in the States. It seems like in the States, it went from no one cares to Tom Hanks getting it and Rudy Gobert shutting down basketball. That's something I want to get back to, by the way. I want to talk about Rudy Gobert for a second. Uh, not, in the way, not in the way that you probably think. To everyone like has to stay in their rooms forever. Like It went from one extreme to the other extreme, at least from what I can see. Maybe day-to-day, it's, it's not like that. And maybe like it's a Twitter bubble for me that – once it hit everyone that you know, I follow and I see talking about it, you know, kind of thinks along the same lines that, hey, I'm just going to stay in my house. Hey, whatever. The end of the world is probably coming. This is what some people are saying. I'm like, all right, let's, let's not go crazy with this here. People have been like, we canceled flights to China ages ago. I, I told you a story on the podcast that you know, got deleted is I have a friend who lives in Shenzhen, which is right across the bridge from Hong Kong. 
and he came home either midway through, I think towards the end of January, when this first started coming out. Uh, him, his wife, he has a three-year-old son, and his wife is currently pregnant. Uh, and he was, they had canceled all flights from Canada to, to mainland China. You couldn't get a flight. Uh, but you could get a flight from Hong Kong to China. So he ended up taking the bridge over to Hong Kong uh, and grabbing a flight back. Like he said, it was just kind of like pandemonium. We just got to get out of here. They had, he's a teacher over there. They had canceled schools at least until April. He's like, what am I going to do? I might as well go back to Canada where, you know, my family is there. I, I have health care there. My wife, can have the, my wife can have the, well, they have health care in China, I think. Who knows? They might just take you out to the side of the road and shoot you or something. Yeah. I don't know. But he was able to go to Hong Kong and they closed the border from China to Hong Kong six hours later. So he got out at exactly the right time. Like the last down. time he could have. Yeah. Now the flights I think are still going to Hong Kong because Hong Kong itself has been quarantined for a while. I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but he's been back here for like three months now or two and a half months. And when the Italy thing first broke out, the first thing that happens, like they're like, you know what? It sucks. Uh, if you're, you have business to do in Italy, but there's no more flights to Italy. I think that happened like a week and a half, two weeks ago. That It seems like we've been a bit more proactive in understanding that there's something to fear, even if we don't know exactly what it is, that precautions were taken a little bit more. Like people were getting tested. As soon as it popped up in Toronto, they opened up spots being like, hey, go here to get tested. You think you got it? Go here and find out if you have it or not. And I don't know if it's actually going to curb anything because there could be tons of people walking around with it who just have no idea. And then the spread is going around. But it seems like the fear up here isn't as heightened as it seems to be in America right now. And that could change if all of a sudden they come out with a report tomorrow that 100,000 people have it, then people are going to freak the fuck out. But like the prime minister's wife has it. And like people are like, oh, okay, they had quarantined themselves off. Like, three days ago or something like that when she started feeling sick they're like well, we're not going to talk to anyone else i mean that's it's funny like people hate on justin trudeau i thought that was like decent leadership yeah no i think that i think that's i mean obviously it's the exact opposite of what we're getting here in the united states where uh trump has this like he's like minus 900 to have this he met with the uh the vice president of Brazil, who is confirmed to have it, the uh, president, I, well, I don't know if, I think it's the president, I don't know if Brazil is a president or a prime minister, but Bolsonaro, he has it. So Donald Trump has this, and he just, uh, he refuses to get tested, and I mean, it's just been, it's been, the, the leadership that we have here in the United States, I think this is part of what's feeding into the fear for the United States, which is, uh, just we have no faith in our leadership to do the right thing. I think even the people that voted for Donald Trump and Mike Pence, I think even these people are like, well, this isn't what we voted for them for. Like we, we don't have any faith that they understand what's going on here at all. Well, I think it kind of works twofold because you have the media and, you know, Twitter people and that sort of bubble who only want to basically just highlight everything that's wrong with Trump. That's all we've seen for three and a half years. Um, and then you sure. have the other side, and then you have the other side, and these people are writing pieces about coronaviruses, the, the coronavirus, the danger that it has. You know, it's in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and you know all the hoity-toity places. And the people on the other side see that and like, oh, they're just out to get Trump. But I see myself as someone more in the middle, and you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Like half the time when you know a lot of these journalists are releasing these, like, and I know this one is science-based, but the spin was like this. It had to include Trump. And the moment that these journalists start including Trump, they cease being journalists. They become opinionists. And it just seems like they're out to get Trump. Now, they were right, but I can see where there was hesitation in believing them. I mean, yeah, I think, I think that there's, it's reasonable to think that a lot of these, um, like a lot of the, the you know, the, the mainstream media or whatever uh, is anti-Trump. But I actually, I, from what I could tell, and I, I mean, I haven't watched cable news in, I don't know, 10 years or whatever, from what I could tell from my interactions with people who are not on Twitter, not in our, our bubble, is that CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all of these outlets were like, oh, this is, doesn't matter. This is, this is overblown. Uh, it's, it's not going to impact you at all until, until Tom Hanks got it. If Tom Hanks did not get this, we, I, I mean, I, I honestly think that like, you know, the Players' Championship would probably still be happening. I'm not even kidding. Oh, I wish the Players' Championship was still going on. I, for Davis, for a brief, shining second, and this sounds so callous. but Golf know, was wanna, all there was. 
golf was all there was for like three hours. I came in and did a show last night and it had the shelf life of maybe 40 minutes. I was like, you know what? People need golf. People want coverage. This is the only sport that's out there. Let's go. I'm going seven days a week with this stuff. Uh, I was ready to lock my, I was ready, ready to quarantine myself inside my studio and just talk golf three hours a day, every day. It was the only game in town. Now it's gone. I, I, I know how, like, I don't quite consider it. Like, remember after 9-11 happened, then you see all these infomercials of people, like, selling flag merchandise and stuff like that. I didn't quite feel like that. That would have made me feel really badly. Uh, yeah. But I felt like that there was a service to be provided to people, and people were going to be looking for golf content. Uh, it's like now, I mean, the only game in town is MMA. At least I, at least I still have that. Oh, sir, there's, there's Liga MX soccer taking place on Friday night. Feel the, feel the fever. Is that Spanish? That is, that is for, for whatever reason, Mexico has decided that, uh, or the, the, the Mexican soccer leagues have decided they're, they're playing through. Um, so whatever, you know, good for them. All right. That's happening. I, as, as we spoke this morning, I was, uh, doing my, my Liga MX research. So we got, and I, I feel really badly and like, I'm, I've had a contingency plan in place for, it wasn't for a virus breakout or sports being canceled. It was just me being fired and never being able to talk sports again. Like no one would sure. allow me like, what do I do if this happens? So I've actually worked this out in my head. So I think my show, uh, I'm actually, if people are listening to this on a Friday, I'm going to go live at 3.45 p.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel. I'll be up after the fact as well. Uh, we're going to kind of talk about this from a golf perspective. Uh, I think Cust is going to reveal his, his, definitive list of canned goods wow i mean uh, I that's got, that's what you want i guess i i got him working on this so it's going to be more talk showy i think we're gonna basically take a page out of the rewatchables i might either review every bond movie or we might watch every golf movie that's ever been made and then do a recap then we'll do a bracket for them and people can vote on it stuff like that like there's going to be a lot this is what I want to talk to you about before we kind of get back to the actual outbreak is like, what do content creators do? Like, this is a hard pivot point. And I think we're going to see who's actually good at this and who's not. Um, well, speaking for myself, because so much of my duties at Daily Roto and Roto Experts and Sports Grid is about at the NFL, I actually am going to, I'm actually going to have stuff to talk about, to write about, to podcast about because free agency is still going to happen. The draft, I mean, it's not, it's not like the, like, yes, it's going to suck for the guys who get drafted, but you don't have to be in a room to do a draft. They, they could literally do the NFL draft like a fantasy draft. They, they can just do it all on computers. So I, I'm pretty pumped for that. For other people who are, you know, and like, I mean, it's crazy, but like DFS content, uh, it's, it's a very tough spot because it's not like the, it's not like the leagues are going to communicate with you, right? Like it's not, it's not like uh, it's not like major league baseball is, uh, is emailing with these websites being like, Oh, you know, we're, we're going to try and we're going to try and get things wrapped up uh, and, and back on schedule by here. It's just like, you just got it. You just got to wait and you just got to be ready to go the, the moment that we come back. Yeah. And it's weird because like when you think about content and content providers, so like in full disclosure, like at fantasy national, Mike and I were talking last night, like, what do we do about this? Like people have reoccurring payments coming up and we were able to work out a way where we could freeze everyone's payments. That Yeah. That's what, that's what we did at daily Roto. Yeah. So everything's frozen. Like if you had a monthly membership and there was 24 days left on your month, your month, your 24 days won't restart until golf actually starts back up again. And now that the Masters is canceled, postponed, not canceled, postponed, that we're at least a month away from golf ever coming back. I was kind of surprised, though, because where MMA is going to continue to go on, but I think that they have a better plan in place. It's actually quite savvy what they're doing. Uh, and you can only really do it because it's MMA. It's a bunch of independent contractors, almost the same as NASCAR. That's why I'm really shocked that golf ended up taking the bow out on this one, especially with a chance to, as callous as it sounds again, to really capitalize on the market. Yeah, no, I mean, the, I, I, I wanted golf to do the same thing because like, I love golf. We do that. We do the golf podcast. We have the golf product at daily Roto and, and, you know, kind of in a how, you know, every time the all-star break happens, you know, a couple new people start playing NHL, a couple new people start playing 
uh, tennis or whatever. Like, I, I think we, we could have seen that with golf and that would have been great for everyone. Cause as you and I have always maintained golf is in fact the best sport for gambling and fantasy. It is. And this would have been a showcase for that, but I mean, that's really the, the last thing on people's minds right now, but it would have been, there's people stuck at home. They got nothing to do. Golf is on for 12 hours a day for four days straight. Like it would have been a good way to keep people preoccupied for one thing for our business. And the part that I feel badly about is that, you know, whether you're a writer for some of these sites, whether you own some of these sites, some of the smaller sites, like, you know, we just talked about both of the places that we work for ended up freezing payments. Like that means that, you know, I'm not getting anything from that. So like I'm out that, uh, but if you own this on a very small scale, like you might be out of business and that sucks like a lot. Like I, I, I don't even know really what to do or how to handle that. I mean, so just if we, if we want to, if, if we want to get back to the, the larger picture, uh, there are a lot of businesses that are going to go out of business, you know, far, not, not just in our realm, but there are going to be travel businesses that shut down. There are going to be, well, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on for a second. I have been on this show before asking why travel, like travel agents even exist at this point. Even so, exist. So, yes. so this is, this is, could be like the death knell of that. That yeah, this, I mean, gone. this is just like, this is like Darwinism for, this is like Darwinism for travel agencies, basically. Um, but like air, I think there are going to be airlines, you know, there are, and it's already started that we have, uh, you know, energy companies going down. I mean, I think that for me, one of the, the largest impacts of all of this, Pat, is that the, the stock market is in just, I mean, it's just a free fall, right? Like this is, this is, we are, we are firmly in a recession now, which is crazy because, and, and, uh, have you ever read, have you ever read any, oh, you don't read, right? So I can't, I know, it's not that I don't read, it's that I can't read. Can't read. Yeah. So in, in Nassim Taleb's books, you know, like the, the big thing is, is tail risks and how people don't understand these risks that they can't see. And this is basically the biggest tail risk that's the developed world has ever seen as far as I can tell. And just all of these, all of these businesses, um, you know, all these equities, all these commodities, they are all cratering. And it's like, what, what could you even do? How could, how, how could any reasonable or rational minded person have even predicted this or prepared for this? I, I don't really have an answer. Uh, I, I mean, I obviously have no idea. One thing that I really haven't liked. Um, and I mean, you're a big Bitcoin person, uh, it seems like the fallacy of that if shit goes wrong, that Bitcoin will go up didn't really pan out. Gold doing exceptionally well at the moment. Uh, it turns out that people just weren't ready for that. Maybe maybe in 10 years it'll have the comeback. But I don't like to see piling on. Like I know like beyond you, I know a, pe- a lot of people that invested in Bitcoin. Like, and then just like openly mocking people when it goes down. They're losing a ton of money is like strange. And it's like the stock market goes down. Like people are like ragging on people because they just lost like their retirement. Like who well, are these people? Like what the fuck is wrong you, with you? You got to remember that. You got to remember that the people that are doing the Bitcoin mocking, these are the people that just dusted off their 401ks in the stock market, right? So they're mad. They're they're looking for well, and also people don't really un, like the 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 mocking Bitcoin people have never done the work to understand what Bitcoin actually is, which is fine. Oh, and, like, and I'm not I'm not I'm an more- evangelicalist about it. I'm more in the camp of Bitcoin mocking person, but I don't like to see people lose money either. Like, I just think it's like, if it would just fluctuate around the same thing, then it'd be like, yeah, Bitcoin doesn't do anything. It just stays the same. But I, I like, I don't personally enjoy seeing people lose money. That sucks. No. So, and, and yeah, no one, no one, well, no one, not good people don't want other people to take massive financial losses, right? Like that's, it's not, it's not a good way to go about thinking about, you know, just like even being a person, but I, I will say that, uh, I mean, Bitcoin was just overvalued anyways, the way that a lot of things in the stock market were, which is like, there, there was like some reasonable argument to be made that the, the coronavirus and all this stuff is just forcing everything back down to appropriate prices because things had gotten too irrationally exuberant or whatever. Uh, the move to gold is always interesting because uh, you, know, you know who wins when people move to gold? is banks because banks just hoard the shit out of gold. Like the, the biggest owners of gold in the world are, are central banks. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I actually met, uh, I actually met a, I started hanging out with one of the listeners of the show. He ends up, he lives in uh, 
Toronto. He's from Denmark, lives in Toronto, listens to the show. Uh, so we, I went over and watched the fights with him the other night. And he had a buddy in from Ireland who is a gold miner in Brazil. And he was walking me through the process of gold mining in Brazil. And just like, I was like, so you, you mine all this stuff. Like, what, what do you do with the gold? It's like, oh, we then, then have to like send that to Switzerland so they can actually put it into bar form and make sure that it's like 99.99% like of a bar of gold. He's like, there's always going to be a bit of silver or some other mineral mixed in there. And that's basically where it all is. It's like Fort Knox in Switzerland. Yeah. So like that's, that is, um, so this book that I read about gold uh, and, and about Bitcoin both kind of made the point that the reason why the comparisons are made between Bitcoin and gold, the, the primary one is that you can't just go and mine gold faster right? Like it just, it, it, it doesn't work and it has an impact on the price when you do so. And the same thing is true for Bitcoin. So in that way, like the, 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 the value that these services offer is that their price cannot be inflated um, immaterially by, by people just printing up more. That was, that was always the argument. I, I never like, well, actually I did probably believe that in the event of a crisis that Bitcoin would hold, but that like, that's just clearly wrong. And, you know, maybe that's because it was overpriced. Maybe that's because um, a lot of the people who were holding it got squeamish. I, I don't really know. I, but, I, know uh, I, I will tell you why. It's the same thing that I think when we had a Bitcoin discussion a year ago or even right after like the spike had hit, then the drop had happened is that I can't use Bitcoin to buy toilet paper right now. That's a problem. Yeah. And it could be, I mean, it all, it could just be that it just could be that uh, not it's enough rich people, not, not enough rich people owned it. Yeah. It's not even that not enough rich people own it. It's that the masses don't own it. The masses don't understand it, and the masses can't use it as currency. I would have an easier time walking down the streets of New York City and buying something with fucking Canadian money than I would with Bitcoin. In New York, it'd be close. And let me tell you, I've, tried, I've accidentally drunk tried to pay with something with a $20 Canadian bill, thinking it was an American bill, and uh, people were not impressed in the States. So as uh, as we are as we are sitting here right now, I um, I hear a, a rumor that the American federal government is going to be uh, instituting or suggesting a Italy like shutdown. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? If this is how they, if it's as why, because you hear so many like weird conflicting reports. Like I saw something like in Iowa, a hundred thousand people already have it. But, I mean, they don't test anyone, so how do they know that? They're just guessing at numbers. I actually think it's probably best to lean on the side of, of extreme nature right now. Just yeah. try to flatten everything out. Just make sure that the spread doesn't get too massive. People are going to get this. But if people can get it in a way that is kind of spaced out, then it's going to be less of a problem than everyone getting it all at one time. Because uh, then eventually you will get up to a point where you'll have herd immunity, and then if you get it, it's not that big of a deal. And But... The biggest thing that I've seen, especially from this uh, Italy thing, is just not only is it a problem, like it's not necessarily the coronavirus that's going to get you. But if everyone goes in for testing and the hospitals are completely full, what happens to everyone else who's fucking sick that doesn't have coronavirus, that has cancer So these hospitals? They're fucked. This is the point that we needed to get to. So this this is the big overarching point, which is, if you were of the mind that it's just the flu, like whatever, only old people die, this is the the key point of all of this is that a pandemic like this where you are not quarantining, you are you are actively, you know, just going about your day, even if you yourself are a carrier, you don't really get that sick. The reason why it's bad is that there are I, I, I read that there are about a million hospital beds in the United States, right? And way more than a million people are going to get this. And way more than a million people are also going to get in car accidents, need cancer treatments. They're going to get other types of, they're going to get other types of illnesses. They're going to fall down the stairs. They're going to need surgeries. And all of these people, I mean, what, what do we, like, we are going to put such an overwhelming um, force on the American hospitals, like that is where the damage come from. That is where things start to get bad is just the hospitals being overwhelmed, flooded. Like, I mean, these, these stories that we're hearing from Italy are like doctors are having to choose who lives or dies based on like percentage chances of success for survival just because there's, there's just not enough space. 
So two things I want to add to this. One, I've been seeing a tweet uh, circulating around about the percentage of people who are just like, look at all these countries of people getting coronavirus versus the percentage of the public that smokes. They're like, you shouldn't smoke. You might get coronavirus. Uh, quick tip. Uh, if you smoke, you get cancer. I know this as a smoker. Uh, that's a bit more terrifying to me than coronavirus, getting the, getting the lung cancer. The getting lung. the lung cancer. Yeah. I, I, there, there's inherent risks of smoking to begin with. Coronavirus, like kind of at the bottom of that one. Um, two, should I be betting Bernie Sanders like 25 to one to win now? Like, is this going to change the election? Like, no, if, you if should it, be bet. You should be betting Tulsi Gabbard at like a million to one. Like right now. So you have three people left in the race and they're all like 80. Yeah. And, and people suspect that Trump has it to begin with. And I, I mean, I have no idea how old Mike Pence is. Like you could tell me he's one of those dudes that went gray early and he's like 31 or he's like 78. I have no idea. You, Let's you guess. Can, I'm going to say 62. He's 60? Okay, so he's, he's actually younger than most people probably think. So yeah. you either have a lane here where, like, if Buttigieg just reenters the race, all of a sudden, like, he looks like a real vibrant candidate because he's 40 years younger than these idiots. But with Bernie, like, if the, Medicare, if the medical system and the infrastructure goes to shit, in a time like this, and he is the only person left in the campaign who's talking about we need socialized medicine, we need we need the better health care, all that stuff. Like, doesn't that make him kind of an appealing candidate if stuff goes to shit? Um, I so I like Bernie was always uh, an appealing candidate to me because he acknowledged that the American healthcare system was was a total joke. Sure, but I, the American healthcare system works for most voters, not for it, not for most people. For most people that vote, it works for. But now, if it's not working for those people, now they're going to be pissed. I still, I still think that if Biden survives this, he is still very likely to just be the winner. I think that I, I think if you were if you were trying to gamble on advanced scenarios for this, I think that I would just be gambling that all the old people died and and just like betting on on Mike Pompeo to be the acting president in twenty twenty one or something well i i the Biden thing is really curious because you know I think right now he has like a ninety seven percent chance of winning the nomination or something like that, and as it stands, like Trump's entire thing is the stock market needs to be doing well for Trump if the stock market is not doing well, Trump is not going to win. Like, it will need to see a real big rebound before November if Trump wants to win this. And if this just gets botched to the point where oh, like he can't run again or something like that, if it just goes horribly wrong, uh, just with the preparations that were made, this actually kind of – but let's say three months from now, everyone comes out of it, everyone's healthy, very minimal deaths, that kind of thing. It was actually kind of taken care of. Biden's kind of the big winner because we don't get to see these people anymore. Like Biden's not out there being like an old crazy person. People have like the people have this image in their mind of Joe Biden, and that's what they're voting for. It seems like you know, happy guy, Obama vice president, full of energy. But then when like you actually see him talk, he's kind of like crotchety because he's eighty and he seems like kind of nuts. That if you just kind of push that to the side for a second, I think that people might forget about it. I mean, I, do, I the thing is, is that people the larger voting populace didn't even know that that really was who Biden was. Like you're saying, like people have this image of them, uh, this image of him in their head, which I, I totally, uh, I totally agree with. Uh, and yeah, just keeping these guys out of the public is interesting. I, and what's even more interesting to me about all of this though, is that this was really the only route I could see to Donald Trump not winning, right? Like some sort of literally unpredictable wild occurrence in which uh, you know, it, it like this was a one outer. If we if we if we want to go back to talking in poker terms, this was this was uh just a a four percent outcome in which the stock market gets destroyed. Um, a bunch of elderly voters are probably going to pass away as a result of this, and his opponents are going to be really good at staying on message. Uh, and the American public, I think, is going to respond to that message. I was always curious about Trump's base. I know that there probably is an overwhelming amount of old people just because old people by and large are Republicans and whether it was Trump or not, they were going to vote for Trump. But I feel like that there's another sect of old people that would just be Biden voters. Like there's a lot of like liberal old people, like not an over, it's not like, you know, the demographic of being 21 and liberal, but there's a lot of old people that, you know, have no problem voting Democrat and would definitely vote for Biden, but would never vote for Bernie. 
Yeah, those are the, um, I, I would call them like the, the Vietnam liberals. So like they, they maybe would have been, uh, you know, voting Republican then, but they were like, wow, this is so catastrophically bad that I, I want to switch allegiances. I, I, uh, my great grandfather was actually in that party. He was, uh, you know, born, like literally a hundred years old, had voted Republican for 50 years or whatever. And then in after Vietnam, he was, he started voting Democrat because he just couldn't abide by the decisions. And I think, I think those people are definitely going to be more likely to be Democratic voters. The, 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 the other thing is that like the, oh, it's just a flu, bro. People, uh, those are, those are Trump voters for sure. But they're, but I, I don't know. I don't, don't necessarily know if they're Trump voters or not. I, I mean, you can look at it two ways. You could say one, but as we talked about at the beginning, like, I, I could see that argument. Not now. Like, are people still doing that now? Uh, I don't know. That's actually a good question. Like, that's the, like, until, like, something catastrophic hits, there always is an optimistic point of view on this that you don't want to panic. You don't want to believe that you know, the worst-case scenario is going to happen. If you say it's just the flu and it's going to act like just the flu, then, you know, at least in your mind, you're telling yourself, like, this isn't going to get so bad. But now that it is really bad, saying that seems just kind of insane. I, my guess is that the people who are not super online, so the people that you and I interact with a lot, my guess is that those people out there in the world are still very much like, it's fine. Uh, maybe, maybe they think it is more than just the flu, but they don't think, they do not, because they don't know what's going on in Italy. They don't know what's going on in Iran. They just, they just are not able to mentally do the risk prop like the risk calculations of like why why does this matter why should i be scared well the best way to figure out what's going on i just kind of see what my 50 to 65 year old family members are posting on facebook that gives me a pretty good insight to what don't get on facebook i'm on facebook oh hey if i didn't have facebook i wouldn't have met my wife davis because that was the only way you could sign up for tinder at the time well that's beautiful but it is a, like, Facebook sucks. I think we all acknowledge that. Although Facebook Messenger is top-notch. But it is a better gauge of the public than Twitter is. Yes, that's it true. far more representative of what people actually think than what me and my 700 like-minded friends all think about the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're certainly going to get the more... Uh, like if you, if you're thinking about things on a, a bell curve, the opinions that you're going to get on Facebook are, are certainly more towards the middle than on the, uh, than on the tail ends. You just see all of the opinions because when you Facebook and the people that you have on there, generally, like, you know, most of them, like if you know someone in real life, generally they'll be on your Facebook feed, no matter how well, you know, them, you just met them at any point in your life. So you don't even really know what their background is, what they believe in. And I mean, if you're someone who like chronically posts on Facebook, I think that says a lot about you to begin with, like using that medium versus another medium kind of just puts you into a weird sort of bucket. Like my grandma doesn't post a lot on Facebook, but my aunt does. And she's like 51. Like she's all over like Facebook posts and she has like crazy ideas about things. Nice, nice lady, but crazy ideas. (laughs) Yeah, I so that is another interesting point that like Facebook friends you probably meet them in real life first whereas on Twitter you are very unlikely to be meeting them in real life first so you are you are you actually really only know them from their ideas you really only know them from their ideology or from like what they are signaling so you're and yeah like i'm not gonna like what am i gonna go follow losers like clay travis like no way like i'm only gonna follow people who i think are uh like have like reasonable brains right so i'm I'm very unlikely to see the uh the it's just a flu mindset on my timeline so I basically have a Facebook rule. Like I have a private Facebook account for me. I have a public one for like the show where I post the show kind of thing. Like that's just another extension of social media. But I have the rule that I, I have to have basically met you in real life. I'm going to add you. So I have a bunch of like people from high school that I haven't seen in like 15 years on my Facebook. Uh, Facebook also destroyed the high school reunion, by the way. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I, have, I don't even use Facebook, but I have no interest in going to my high school reunion, honestly. 
I mean, I, I see all the people from high school that I see. I, I think we've went over this before. Like, I'm friends with a ton of people I went to high school with, which yeah. seems like, which seems really atypical of how, like, life works now, but just how it worked out. Uh, so here are some comments on my, like, my most recent comments on my Facebook timeline from people talking about the coronavirus. You ready for this? Ready. So this Canadian guy, this guy's from Canada, he says, at least with SARS, we got a music festival. Is that true? Yeah, there was a Rolling Stones concert in Toronto beautiful uh this guy is posting stay informed on novel contravirus coronavirus i keep calling it the contravirus like there's some sort of code that you can put in that will just make it go away but apparently that's not the case and it's a link to like the government of nova scotia health thing now this guy's american and he has i want to say this is like a five thousand word post about Ugh. trump and the arrogance of trump and south korea like i feel like that guy's not helping at all like yeah we i think everyone kind of acknowledges at this point who's anyone who would read that and care already knows what he's talking about and everyone right. else and everyone who sees this and doesn't like straight up agree with him is just like fuck this guy like he, it's yeah. very preachy very preachy yeah. about i was right and you were wrong and that's the opposite way of how you want to handle this correct yeah that is true uh, list of cancellations people are uh, putting on facebook uh Oh, so see, my aunt, she's all over Facebook. Got all my stuff for the virus, got a huge bottle of Jager, and I'm in my sauna. That should kill any virus. That actually seems like the opposite of how that would work. So, maybe so I, I actually, this is, sauna. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's like, um, I think it's like fake news that, uh, that's going around that, that uh, like hot water can, can kill the virus. It doesn't which is kill funny. the but, Well, if you like wash your hands, you want to wash it with hot water and bacterial soap. Yes. But that's not going to, like, cause it to be cured. <laughs> uh, yes, hands. correct. Yeah. I just, I, I, I just have seen that going around that, like, if you drink, like, hot water, it'll kill the virus inside of you. Well, I saw if you drink bleach and do a bunch of blow, then you're fine. Like, I have a couple friends who are, like, walking immunity. <laughs> not the bleach part, but they're just walking around coked out all day. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that rumor, too. Unsure, unsure how true or not true that is. It's funny <laughs> either way. Well, I will say, I bet you they haven't done the testing to find out if it's true or not true. <laughs> that is that is true. I mean, the the testing thing, that's another, that is uh, that is a whole other thing that we have going on, which is, what's the, what's the testing like in Canada? Because in the United States, it's just, it's just a mess. It, it's been open for a while now that they've kind of said over the past two months that if you think you have it, go get checked out right away. And they... They just made it very accessible. Now, I don't know how that's going to change now, that if people had felt sick, they went in to go get tested. But now that it's kind of blown up a little bit more, are, do people, like, I started to think about this last night, that, oh, it was right after I had a cigarette, so you know, probably not the best lung capacity time. But, like, I was feeling sleepy. I didn't know it's because I was tired or because I started to think, like, do I fucking have it? And that never had crossed my mind before, like, two nights ago. Like, do I actually have this? And maybe I should be, maybe I should have been leaning more that way, but I didn't feel sick whatsoever. And I know that it can kind of be in you for a while before you show symptoms, but I, I don't think currently that I have it. So, but that seed popped in my mind. And if that's popping in my mind, who's pretty nihilistic about this stuff. Imagine if you were someone who thinks that you're sick all the time. Like, you you have probably convinced yourself that you do have this and now you're probably in there getting tested around people who do have it. And now you probably have it cause you're around people who have it. Yeah. So I think I, I think I do probably have it, but I am, I'm young and I will probably just be fine. Like I will probably sit at home and uh, you know, drink uh Powerade and just like be okay. Like I, I, I think that things will probably work out for me. I just don't want to get anyone else sick. And if I, you know, develop some fever or whatever, I will go. I, I have already seen it. Um, I have already seen it disseminated by healthcare workers on the internet that like, if you don't have the fever, like even if you think you have it, but you don't have the fever, just stay home, quarantine, whatever. But like, please do not bum rush us at the ER because there are people who are going to be super sick that do need our help like immediately. Yeah. So, and you expose, and if you are just the type of person that thinks that you have something, like I said, like if you go to the hospital, your chances of getting it are going to go like exponentially increase. And I, I'm yes. not saying don't, I'm, my, my point isn't don't go to the hospital. My point is like yours, like unless you're like sick, sick, don't go. 
Yeah, like it would be even like like so I have like a scratchy throat right now or whatever. It would be it would be irresponsible of me to go to the hospital right now, both because I could be carrying it and could be spreading it, or because I could not have it and then end up getting it from being there. And that like uh the I mean, I'm sure you've seen this graphic of the of the two bell curves that everyone's the, been sharing on social media, the the, the long flattening. bell curve and the steep bell curve. And Though of course those numbers are just complete estimations; they're not based on anything real. But it is that is the simplest way to get people to understand, uh, you know, why quarantining and why trying to keep to yourself right now is clearly the most intelligent path to take. Sure, no, I completely agree with that. And of course, those numbers are asinine. No one actually knows what's. Yeah, no they're just knows. they're just made up. I've heard everything from the range of 10,000 pe- 10, people are going to have this to 175 million people are going to get this. I'd probably lean towards like the 150 million side just because that seems to be the best way to approach this, but that seems like a really high number. And that could be like lifetime of people getting it. Like everyone has probably had the flu at some point now, right? Like in the course of their lives? Sure, yeah. Yeah, like, like is that what they're estimating when they say these like really steep totals that over the next four years, everyone's basically going to get it? But the whole thing is that by the time that you get it, that'll be three years from now, that it's not going to be that big of a deal anymore. Well, I think, <clears throat> so if I understand this right, I think they're saying given how fast and how um, powerfully this virus spreads, we think that it has the ability to impact this many people. It's kind of up to the American public and the governments who are instructing us on what to do on how much it will spread and how quickly. Uh, in terms of like what that time frame for 700,000 to earth uh, to, you know, uh, 150 million people getting it. I, I want to talk about like not necessarily economic impact of this, but two things that just kind of occurred in my mind because I saw a lot of these companies uh, that have all their information behind a paywall, like news sites, open up their paywall. Do you think this is a case against people charging for actual news? Um. So I think that for news to continue to exist, it just can't be behind a paywall or, or, or it just can't be free, right? We just, we just cannot have free news as newspapers are dying because uh, local reporting, I think, probably still does have some real importance. And we've seen The Athletic be successful with that model. And, you know, just overall journalism is important and we don't want journalists and newspapers beholden to advertisers to oligarchs so i think that having the people be able to fund the newspapers is the far more responsible and appropriate way for newspapers to function so i i like i like the idea of all the coronavirus stuff being in front of a paywall to save people's lives but no i think that i think that journalism still does need to have you got you're gonna have to pay for it because it has to be sustainable yeah, and a GoFundMe for the New York Times probably isn't going to work. And it's not like it's a ton of money a month, but there's an access restriction to it that uh, if I'm just kind of cruising articles and I see one and I click on it, it's a paywall. Like I, The chances I actually sign up to read the article are extremely low. I'll just click off and go read something else. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't read a ton of stuff behind a paywall. I have an athletic subscription, um, but I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a newspaper subscription I get. Well, um, I did have an Economist subscription for a long time, and I, I just let it lapse like a few months ago, which I would, I would reconsider, I guess, um, re-signing up for, for things. But it, just, because, just because I do not, I guess maybe that makes me a little bit of a hypocrite if I don't pay for a newspaper, and I'm saying mm-hmm. that's the model that it should be. It just makes you human, Davis. Yeah, I mean, I, so I guess that is that is another good point. But yeah, I mean, I think that the the good that um, some reporters have done in this situation is pretty cool. Like Royce Young, who is the Oklahoma City beat writer for, I believe, The Athletic, he basically did the whole Rudy Gobert story and reported it for everyone. And we're talking like this Rudy Gobert thing is huge, like got so many leagues to cancel, the NBA decided to cancel, like all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, it was really as a direct result of, of Royce's, like, really, really good reporting. Okay, this is what I wanted to talk about. So, if the NBA doesn't cancel their games, they just say, we are going to continue playing, but with no fans. No is fans. Any other, is any other league canceled at this point? No, it's all no fans. It's all, it's all behind closed doors. So In the United Ru- States. Yes. So, if Rudy Gobert 
hadn't made such a production and mocked the virus and then ended up being the one with it, do you think it would have been as big of a story? Because I don't think, I mean, it would be a big story because an NBA player has the coronavirus, but I think the way that he went about mocking it and it was kind of like throwing it back in his face was part of the reaction to this. Definitely part of the reaction. I mean, he, he tried, like he, his actions were like the, it's just a flu bro but like with like a with like a physical action tied to it cuz i mean there are there are you know highly paid very high level european soccer players who have the coronavirus uh one of the head coaches of one of the teams in the english premier league tested positive for the coronavirus so it's it's out there um and it the the actually until last night until one of the coaches uh, tested positive for it. The Premier League was planning on running their games behind closed doors, or, or not even behind closed doors, with fans there. They were planning on on playing with fans there until one of the coaches tested positive. So, yeah, I, I think that when one of the big athletes involved uh, tested positive, I think that just changed the whole scenario because because they weren't that worried about the fans, right? Because the, the the fans were just a byproduct to get the the money for the gate revenues and the TV money. And they weren't really that worried, but obviously these teams can't have their athletes getting sick. No. And yeah, you, you could make enough money even without the gate of these places, but like with golf, I'm actually apparently Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA said like he heard from players, but the big decision was he heard that Disneyland got shut down. So he was like, Oh, we can't have golf now. Like that's, that's so ridiculous. Like either you were in or you were out. I think they got pressures from, everyone being like well every other sport is shut down except for you uh what what are you going to do about this but it seems like golf would be the easiest one there's no contact with anyone else for one thing if there was no fans there it was just players so you test all the players you test all the caddies maybe you shorten it to three days instead of four days for a tournament and then test all the production people that are there to put it on tv like that seemed like an easier route because that's what mma is doing so they're going to run their event in Brasilia this week with no fans. Then they're coming back stateside. It was supposed to be UFC Portland and UFC Columbus. They have canceled those events at the stadiums, and they're moving them to this UFC facility that they have in Vegas where they can monitor everything. They can do sweeps. They can do testing. They'll test all the athletes. If you test positive, you need to get the fuck out of there. But if everyone's okay, they're like, why can't we run this? Like, we're not going to have fans. We have all the production facilities here. We have all the training facilities here. If people are tested and we know that they don't have it, like, where's the risk? Like, that strangely seems sensible. No, it, so that does seem sensible. And, I mean, this is another point to be made. But, like, just giving people something to focus on, talk about, think about that is not – yeah, the the pandemic like that, like people need that. Like you, you, you need to have something to engage with that is not your work or cable news coverage of the pandemic. I agree. And the other big thing that we're going to find out from this is. Are you still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, oh, I you, just axed my video. You axed your video. What are you doing to me? I, I love looking I didn't, real, I didn't realize it was on. No, the, the big thing that I think we're going to find from this is the amount of people that can actually work from home, that we're taking two-hour two commutes every day to get into a city. It's like, oh, I can just do the same job from here. And I think that's going to end up becoming not the new normal, but you're going to see a lot of people now, like people are going to be working from home for like a month, two months, three months, whatever it is. But after this is over, that they're probably going to work from home three days a week, which is great, but it's shocking that it took something like this to figure that out. It was, it would, it would always take something n not like this, but a big, uh, it would always take something like this, a big event to get people to change how things have happened for the last 50 years. People are just so used to going into the offices, thinking that going into the offices is what people do. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. It's just, it's just a societal norm. And yeah, I completely agree with you. There's no putting this, uh, there's no putting this cat back in the bag. It's just, it, it's out and people are going to want to work from home. People should be allowed to work from home. And I mean, I think you could argue that the, the big function of offices existing. And we talked, we actually talked about this on uh, the, the now forever doomed uh, and lost to time Pat Mayo and Davis Maddock hour episode, but uh, just how like 
you just got to do busy work if you're in the office, right? Like you're just going to do work that you don't even need to get done that day or just that you feel like you need to be doing something at your desk. Whereas if you work from home, you have four hours of work, you do the four hours of work and that's it. You're done. Yeah. And that's always the biggest thing that I've had uh, with my company. And even like with when Paul and I are, are doing our show and we're in the middle of football season or whatever we're doing is that the only time that we spend in the office is the time that is required to work in the office. Some days that means we're in here for 16 hours because we have a lot of stuff to do. Other days, <clears throat> I don't know, two hours. If we only have two hours of work, why the fuck would we stay around for 10 hours? Like that makes no sense. Uh, and you know, if you're going to like liberally scale back or increase the 40 hour work week or even go to a four day work week, whatever it might be, like this is probably step one when people see, oh, I got all my work done and it's 1130 a.m. It's a and, good, it's a good, it's a good feeling. It is. And like productivity, the, the problem is like when I finish, like if I'm working from home that day, I'm writing or you know, it's a day that I'm editing for my laptop at home instead of being in at the office or I'm like taking care of my kid that wh what do you do is the big thing. And that's the problem. Like I, I'm into that problem. I know other people probably have more hobbies now, but like I lost all my hobbies once I got into this specific business. And I know that people that work all the time, they don't have a bunch of hobbies anymore. That if you have an entire afternoon free and you actually have no responsibility and you're done work, what the fuck do you do with your time besides like go to the gym? Uh, so that's another thing. I like, I'm not going to go to the gym during this. So I'm having to get my exercise via, I have some free weights in the basement and walking the dog. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to devise like some sort of like home exercise routine. Otherwise I'm just going to get, I'm going to get fat and miserable. Uh, I will give you, this is actually one of the things I was going to talk about on my show. I was going to have some fitness people on who do stuff from home because I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I was going to the gym. It's the one real concession that I've made. Uh, in terms of the coronavirus, and only because that's how I got H1N1 in the first place was from going to the gym. But my wife's pregnant. Uh, she's due in less than two months. I got a one-year-old at home. I really don't want to expose them to this, so I'm, I'm trying to be as responsible as possible. If I was a single guy, I would be at the gym right now, and I really wouldn't worry about it. Uh, and if I got it, then I got it. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if my only responsibility was me, then I would be a bit more lax on the precautions that I was taking, but that's just not the case. I need to be somewhat responsible for the sake of my family. So the seven minute workout app is really good. You do like four sets of those. It's like 12, 30 second workouts that you do in like rotation. They're all like kind of like mini supersets. If you do like four of those, like you'll burn like 500 calories. It's pretty good. And it's really easy to do. It's all uh, body weight based. You don't even need free weights. That's what I've been doing at home. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to down, I'm going to download it right now. Cause like, yeah, just like sitting at home and playing video games and getting fat is just like, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not super interested in that. Like I, uh, I actually am on my longest lifetime streak of beating my, uh, my calorie and, and activity goals on my Apple watch. And I, I'm not going to let the coronavirus take that from me. I, well, I, I think it's, I had been, I'd stopped doing intermittent fasting uh, probably in the new year. I just kind of eating a more balanced diet, that kind of thing. I might go back to intermittent fasting right now to tell you the truth, just so you know, we're not using up all the food at our house. Not that I'm super concerned about that, but where I'm not going to be able to get the exercise that I normally do, that it's probably best to, you know, try to quell gaining 15 pounds in a time like this. Uh, yeah. Gain, I would say, I would say that, uh, you know, putting on an extra, chunk of pounds is probably not like uh you know it's just not super ideal i would imagine no i mean that's gonna make your cardiovascular system a lot worse and you know it's probably not good for a flu or a virus no no it's not um all right man i think i think this was good we knocked out about a good about a good hour on the coronavirus covid19 and, and some of the surrounding thoughts tell people what they what they have to look forward to uh as it pertains to the the pat mayo experience Still coming at you every day. Maybe we'll load up on some cuss corners. We do have new MMA content every single week. Cody and Paul absolutely crush it. So if you never knew anything about MMA and you like, if you like my show, I'm not on that show, but Paul and Cody's vibe is exactly the same as Jeff and I's vibe. So you know, it, it's all in the same family of shows, but that's the only thing going on. Like I've been, have you thought about like legal leagues and shit like this and NASCAR? Like, I just don't know if I can do it. 
if you mean thought about it, as in I've already registered for contests, then yes. I mean, like playing in it is one thing, but like, do, like, could you imagine yourself doing NASCAR content every week? Uh, no. But if no. if if Liga MX is the only thing going on, I will be doing Liga MX content. You can you can you can bet on that. That will be a thing. Okay, the Liga MX. I saw there's like Australian football still going on, or Australian. Oh yeah, or- if if they do, if they find if, if DraftKings finds a way to do content for rugby or Australian leagues football, um, I would be interested in that for sure. All right, well, maybe I'll, I'll try to make a few calls. Hey, it's funny after the uh, the players. I know I'm a very easy person to contact because you know i'm on the DraftKings channel i'm associated with DraftKings. kings people are asking me like do i get my money back from the contest as soon as it's canceled like i don't fucking know man this is a question i'm asking <laughs> yeah like uh which so I, my, I think they did i think they did just refund everybody yeah they did like and the first round wasn't even complete that actually saved uh save, saved people a whole lot of money uh there was four players still out on the course when they called it for darkness because if they had to finish that round Hideki Matsuyama would be your player's champion and the guy the guy winning the millimaker maker was a single bullet it is but, so i feel two ways about this one that sucks if they had completed the round he would have won but other people are like, oh, my God, you were in first place. Imagine you would have won a million dollars if they just hadn't canceled the tournament. It's like, no, that guy would not have won if they had not canceled the tournament. He'd be, he probably wouldn't even have cashed. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's the guy. The guy winning at the end of day one never wins. It's never happened. As someone who's been in the lead in some of these big contests after two rounds, even three rounds, and not cashed, I can tell you, it's not great. Yeah, just it just it just doesn't happen. All right, everyone. Stay tuned with us. We will, I will be doing episodes of this podcast more frequently as we are all locked down and at home because, uh, you know, I, I, think that, uh, I think it's important for, for us to stay entertained. And uh, we will be back pretty soon with more content for you guys. As a veteran, I live with health impacts from my service. VA healthcare means you're in 100% control of your own medical care, your own benefits, and it only takes minutes to set up. A veteran should enroll in VA healthcare because it ensures that they get quality, high-level care for the rest of their lives. My service was then. My benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here.